So we can again invite ourselves to arrive and to breathe into this, this present moment appearance. So yeah, that was a really, really rich and, and kind of mind blowing uh, discussion just there. Um, and, and maybe just to say if, 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 you know, that for some of us, it can feel really exciting and invigorating. And sometimes it can also feel like too much. Yeah? And we can just come back to the basics. This is why the practices are so helpful. The contact, the Vedana, you know, this, this moment of experience. And today, um, I'd like to go into the next two uh, links in the in the unfolding of the of the dependent origination uh, chain. Um, but I'll already say the teaser, the two. But we're gonna we're gonna treat them as one. <laughs> um, but I'm just gonna explain that a little bit. So, um, following on from Vedana Tanha. Um, usually translated as craving, and then upadana, usually translated as clinging. Okay, so we'll start with, with tanha. Um, literally, uh, the meaning of tanha is literally thirst. Yeah, like being thirsty, thirst. Um, sometimes, you know, it's described as like this, this kind of uh, inbuilt appetite that we have, which is actually insatiable, actually cannot be satisfied. And I was just teaching a retreat, uh, just ended a few days ago. <laughs> and on that retreat, I suddenly had this image of Tanha as if it's this like, um, like this sensor that we have, as if there's an inbuilt sensor in us that's constantly looking, yeah, it's constantly looking um, for objects to attach to, yeah. That's kind of, that's the tanha, it's like the thirst that's looking, okay, what can I, or even not just to attach, actually to relate to, yeah? What is there here right now that I can relate to and then build experience, yeah, through that relationship to that object? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, if that's not clear yet, don't worry, yeah, I'm going to give some examples. So let's see how this happens, right? So there's contact, yeah, we can start with that again. There's contact. For example, there's the sensation of um, some uh, vibration in the knee as I'm doing my practice, yeah? Sitting there, the sensations in the knee of some vibration, yeah? And the Vedana of that contact is unpleasant, yeah? Vedana of that contact is unpleasant. This tanha sensor, this craving sensor, latches on. It's like, got something, you know. Okay, latch on to that, yeah, to that unpleasantness, yeah. So we can see already here the mutual dependency, yeah, because often we would describe this, and I certainly do that, as there's the unpleasant Vedana and then the tanha builds up from that. But equally we can say there's the tanha, there's that thirst, that insatiable appetite, that sensor that's looking for an object, hones in on the unpleasant, yeah? Here's an unpleasant Vedana, yeah? Focusing on the unpleasant, yeah? It's really quite accurate description of what our minds do, yeah? And as that happens, and, and this goes really that, um, 
that movement uh, that Jem was describing from something being, you know, a certain degree to in of intensity to a different degree of intensity, we can feel the intensity in the escalation. Yeah. So the unpleasant becomes, yeah, unwanted. The unpleasant becomes problematic. I don't want this. I'm rejecting this. It's unbearable. Yeah. That, that's that that's the process of, of escalation um what's interesting and and we were touching on this with different things that people brought other things disappear yeah and again if you think of your meditation practice and an unpleasant sensation somewhere in the body the rest of the body disappears from our awareness yeah the sounds might disappear all we are aware of in that moment is this hurts yeah and i don't like it yeah and then, you know, the experience can go, you know, in, in many, many different ways. Um, so other things disappear. There's a spotlight on this. The space shrinks, right, onto that particular aspect, just the knee or just the unpleasantness in the knee, if we keep going with that um, example. More sense of dukkha, more limitation, more contraction, and more self, yeah. Here's where the self comes in. Yeah, there was a question about that. How do, we, here's how the self comes in, how it gets built. And if we look at our language, often we can see this. Yeah, we started off with the unpleasant Vedana. It's unpleasant. Yeah. This is, um, really unpleasant. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I should be getting concerned about this. I, I, here it comes. <laughs> I really don't like this. I need to get rid of this. I can't stand it. The I, 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 we can hear it getting louder. So I don't want to, you know, but I just couldn't resist saying here's, here's we see the fabrication, build up the construction of the sense of self with the sense of dukkha. So that's tanha, yeah. Um, and what about clinging? Yeah. So here's a, a little quote from Christina Feldman. Um, Craving and clinging. Yeah, uh, so uh, upadana, usually translated as clinging, sometimes as grasping, uh, are very close together. Um, the craving has a certain has a certain momentum, yeah, uh, a certain one-way direction, and this is what I was calling the sense of just looking for something and then going going kind of full speed ahead. Yeah, that's the narrowing down, and when it becomes intense, it becomes clinging. Um, so this is Christina's kind of description of it, um, and it's it's really practical and useful. Yeah. So rather than seeing them as separate, which can be helpful, and some traditions really do do that, we are going to relate to them as one: craving and clinging, or um, in the wonderful language of Rob Bear, the push pull. <laughs> I love that language, the push pull. Yeah, uh, it's that movement of uh, pushing things away or pulling things towards us. Yeah. So when we talk about craving and clinging, these are words that to us usually mean uh, attachment and trying to get something. They include aversion, pushing away, um, you know, resistance. Yeah. So it's both sides of the coin. The craving and the clinging, the clinging include our relationship to what we want and our relationship to what we don't want. Yeah. They include both. And, um, yeah, and that push pull again, if you, if, if you're, you're one of those people that has kind of a, a kinesthetic imagination, a bodily imagination, you can really feel it. Yeah. We can feel that it's like a magnetic field. 
Yeah, and this is another way to really feel uh, craving and clinging. Yeah. I used to love playing with magnets when I was a kid. <laughs> and so it's like a magnetic field. You can feel that the, the kind of when the, when the, the, um, when we want something, it's like the two things are pulling at each other, right? It's the, it's the, the opposite ends. Um, and when, and when it's, it's, uh, when there's, um, aversion, it's the other, the other way around, right? Like you put the two negatives of the, I can't remember what, what, what the language is, but, but you get things pull apart. Yeah. They want to, they want to, um, push apart. So it's really like a really strong magnetic field that builds up in intensity. Does this make sense so far? Okay. So for most of us, yeah, the most helpful and accessible way of meeting this push-pull, yeah, knowing it in our experience in a way that we can work with is push-pull, the craving and clinging arise with contraction, yeah? They arise with a with a um, with contraction, yeah, with friction, and uh, we can feel that often in the physical body, yeah, when we pay attention to it. So it might be a thought that's pulling our attention. It might be an, a sound. It might be a body sensation. We can feel the contraction in the body in relationship to that um, object. Yeah, so it might be in the in the physical body. It might be in what we we will call uh, the field of awareness in the body or the energy body, yeah, which sounds a little bit fancy. Um, <laughs> it truly means you know how we know experiences through the body field, yeah, which we know. Yeah, we don't just know the physical, yeah. We don't just know the physical life of the body, right? We also know emotions through the body. Right, we feel them. Uh, we also kind of uh, know um, other aspects of our experience through this this body. You know, even you know something like hearing. Yeah, and we can become really sensitive to the field of awareness in the body. We can feel as if there's a vibration of the sound through um, the energy body. So we can feel the contraction can be physically in the, in the physical sensations of the body can be just a sense of awareness contracting and shrinking and becoming smaller. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter. You don't need to know, is this the physical body or this is the energy body? I just want to kind of name that, that it might physically, might physically feel a contraction, um, in the body. We might just feel a contraction in the space. Yeah. Space of awareness. Okay. Does the thirst exist without the object? <laughs> All right. Deep end of emptiness there. Yeah. Let's say the two are mutually dependent. There cannot be an object without a degree of thirst for it. Yeah. It cannot appear in experience. But we're not going to go into that <laughs> right now. Yeah. But it's a great question. So we can become sensitive, yeah, to the presence of contraction. Now we can become sensitive. We can learn to notice it. Now notice contraction um, in the body, in the field of awareness, and we can learn to attend to that contraction. Yeah. 
So some ways of doing that, yeah, some ways of working with that contraction. Yeah. So, um, and these are also all from, from Rob, Rob a bear. Uh, one is to use a very light noting. When we notice the contraction, yeah, we say to ourselves, dukkha, yeah, this is suffering. This doesn't feel nice because of the contraction. And, you know, you don't need the Buddha to tell you this. Check for yourself. When there's contraction, does that feel good? <laughs> yeah. Does that feel good? Yeah. And so we can say to ourselves, dukkha because of the contraction. Now that's one possibility. Another possibility, yeah, and, and, and the language matters here, we're going to touch on it a little bit, but we've already seen that. How we phrase things for ourselves, the language we use, it will resonate differently to different people. Yeah, so I'm going to mention a few practices here. You only need to find the one that works for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not that you need to do all of them, but different ones will work for different people. So another possibility is to feel the contraction, yeah, in relationship to the object, and to say to yourself, this is not peaceful, or to ask it as a question, is this peaceful? Here's this thing I really want, a peaceful meditation. <laughs> and I can feel the contraction of that wanting, go away thoughts, get out of here. Yeah? I can ask myself, is this peaceful? Is this contraction, is this peaceful? And so uh, these are a couple of ways that we can do it. We can also, um, I'm going to also, also offer a kind of an image. Um, and this is from the Buddha. Um, you know, he says like dropping that hot coal, we feel the contraction and we let go. Yeah, and we can have, if, if, you, if you work well with images, it's just letting go, dropping. Yeah, dropping that holding. Yeah, or that aversion, that pushing away, dropping that push pole as if you're realizing I'm holding on to a hot coal here. That's not something I want to be doing. Yeah. And we drop it. So why do all of those? Or what do they do? What do they uh, allow? Yeah. So when we relax the contraction, yeah, in any of these ways, they might relax the contraction to a certain degree. When we relax the contraction, yeah, the push-pull also goes down, yeah, because the two are mutually dependent, yeah. When there's push-pull, there's contraction, yeah. Less push-pull, less contraction, and also less contraction, less push-pull. Yeah, my partner Nathan gives this image here, like we have a mixing deck, like DJs. <laughs> so we have the, you know, we have the push-pull, we have the contraction. We also have the dukkha. Yeah, that's another one. And we also have the sense of self, which we're not going to spend a lot of time with, but we want to know that. Yeah, these all, they're all, but they're not, you know, unlike many mixing desks, they all impact each other. Yeah. So if the contraction goes down, the other three go down. Yeah. Contraction goes up, the other three go up. And similarly, the other ones, they, they influence each other in that way. Yeah, when one goes down, the others go, go down or lose intensity. Yeah. And so this is really meaningful. So it might feel like, how do I let go of grasping? <laughs> yeah, how do I let go of, of um, push-pull? Ah, I work with the contraction. And then I see what happens as a result. 
and I learn from that. So uh, there was some kind of talk uh, from a few people about enjoying the practice, finding it really enjoyable or finding it fun or finding it uh, some sense of release with it, some sense of space. Um, all of this is really important with any practice, yeah, to notice when that happens. Yeah, and you might be sitting here and thinking, oh, that never happens to me. Or well, that hasn't happened to me in this course. Part of what we're developing is the, is the, is the skill to notice. Ah, this brings some relief. Yeah, this brings some space. Yeah, this brings some joy. Yeah. We're not wired to notice it. We're wired to notice what's not okay. Yeah. So we need to kind of know we're, we're intentionally looking for that. Any relief, any relief that arises, we want to know. Yeah, even if it's just for a moment and then it peaks up again. Yeah, we got that mixing dust. We got the contraction down. <sighs> moment of relief, boop, all goes up again. Yeah, because that's the habits. Yeah, goes up and we take it down again. Yeah? And we notice, ah, there's a moment. If this feels a little bit nicer, it's a little bit more space. There's a little bit more lightness. And then it goes up again and we keep noticing. Yeah, we keep noticing the relief. Um, you know, whenever we drop that coal, when we let go um, of the push-pull, when, when the contraction uh, loses its intensity, we notice that. And we savor it and we absorb in it as much as we can. That's uh, really how we kind of how insights become uh, experiential. Uh, so it's a very important aspect of our practice, whatever aspect, uh, whatever practice we're doing. And when I was reflecting on this, um, on the, on the session, um, on the session, I, and I kind of reflected on this part and really wanted to say, I said, like, what if we see, you know, any moment of release, <laughs> yeah. even if it's just some release, even if it's just a moment, if we see that, ah, here's a treasure trove. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a treasure trove. Here's an opportunity. Yeah, something we can learn and kind of bathe in and, and explore and enjoy. So these are, um, you know, I mentioned uh, three ways so far to, to um, work with contraction. Yeah, one is to see that this is dukkha because of the contraction. Yeah, to make that link. Yeah. And we use, as we're doing this, we're using a capacity called verbal fabrication to shape our experience. We're reminding ourselves of something through the way we use words. Yeah. We say, ah, this, you know, this is dukkha because of the contraction or is this peaceful? Yeah, we're pointing, yeah, to something in our experience for, our, for ourselves, for our own awareness. Look at this. Look in this way. Um, so there's the dukkha because of the contraction. There's the question, is this peaceful or seeing this is not peaceful? Um, and there's the, just that hot coal image, the, just the letting go of the hot coal. Um, other ways yeah, that we can um, release contraction is uh, simply through inviting the body to relax. Yeah. We can invite the body to relax because the contraction is held in the field of the body. Yeah. So we might invite the whole body to relax. Yeah. If you kind of 
uh, familiar with yoga practice, you might do kind of the, the kind of flowing through the body and relaxing it bit by bit, if that's a practice that you like. Yeah. Or we just invite the area that's contracted or around it to relax. Yeah. But we actually work with it with the body. Yeah. And we invite relaxation into the body, into that contraction. Yes. Yeah? So that's another way that we can uh, work with the push pull. Yeah. And we can also uh, bring in attitudes, yeah, of mind and heart, yeah, that release contraction. So meta, mentioned that already, that's what it does. <laughs> meta, the attitude of friendliness, yeah, of goodwill. What does it do? It relaxes that contraction of, I want this for me, I don't want that for me. Yeah, it relaxes that. It brings in an attitude of befriending experience so if you like meta practice and you're familiar with it you can bring in a meta attitude or you can just bring an attitude that's welcoming yeah an opening yeah either towards the contract i think ideally towards the contraction or towards the object that the contraction is is happening in relation to so I'm saying a lot of a lot of different ways. I'm also gonna you're gonna get this on the notice board tomorrow, <laughs> um, and uh, and really the the um, the encouragement is is you know to find one maximum two things and work with them. But because we're getting to quite subtle, more subtle territory, the differences between us, yeah, what works for each of us. Yeah, there'll be a range and, and I'm kind of doing my best that there'll be something here for, for everyone uh, to, work with, to work with. So I mentioned verbal fabrication before and I just want to spend a little bit of time uh, with fabrication. Yeah, and I used this word in the first session. Yeah, the way uh, experience is made up, put together, yeah, shaped, constructed. Yeah. This is actually um, one of the one of the uh, links as well. So we talked about verbal fabrication. If I um, make a gentle use a gentle noting or a meta phrase for those of you who are familiar with meta, I'm using the power of words, yeah, to point, yeah, to a particular way of looking. If I say, ah, "Is this peaceful?" Yeah. Or this is dukkha because of the contraction, yeah. Or may you be welcomed. <laughs> Whatever it is that we're using, we're using the words to shape our experience. So we do it through verbal fabrication. We do it through bodily fabrication. Yeah, this is what this whole thing is about: relaxing contraction <laughs> in the body. Yeah, we we attend to the body. And then the kind of the way the body is impacts the heart and mind and impacts the way experience is shaped. Yeah. Sometimes give this example. Um, here's, here's some homework. Uh, please try and get angry when your body's really, really relaxed and open and soft. Yeah, here's some homework. I look forward to hearing your experiences next week. Yeah. So, you know, what, what do we learn from that? Yeah. What happens in the body impacts the mind, yeah? impacts the heart, impacts perception. Right? If the body is really, really relaxed, and we can see it in another way, it can be really relaxed, really at ease, 
yeah there's a loud noise contract right with fear of aversion right but if i soften again yeah then we can learn to do that yeah we can learn to do that so um you know we can see when we let go yeah the body relaxes and we can bring this in also when the body relaxes letting go is easier yeah yeah when there's a wholesome mind state or attitude what's the body like yeah Ah, the body usually feels quite relaxed and spacious. Yeah? Unwholesome, body will feel uh, contracted and limited. Yeah, so we can we can start to see these relationships, and we can use it. Yeah, we can use bodily fabrication. We do it all the time. Why do we sit in a certain posture? Why do we emphasize uprightness and relaxation in our meditation postures? Yeah, because they create the right kind of balance of energy and calm that's really conducive to meditation. <laughs> yeah. So the body shape, yeah. The body degrees of tension. Yeah. So bodily fabrication. So experience is, is shaped, is put together through bodily fabrication, through verbal fabrication, and through mental fabrication. It's one of the kind of things that the Buddha uh, just described so beautifully. Yeah, so beautifully, really illuminated. Um, and we can see that, you know, when we um, think a certain way, yeah, that supports a particular mind state, yeah. And that also shapes our experience in a certain way, right? If you get, if you find yourself caught up in the loop of like, why did they do that? And why didn't I do that? And I should have done that. <laughs> and you, you, you know, those loops, how do they, how, do, what happens to the body there? That's one interesting thing. But the other is, how does that then shape our experience? Yeah. And if we, um, incline, yeah, the body, yeah. Uh, the mind, sorry, we incline uh, the mind to a particular way of looking. Yeah, how does that shape our experience? Yeah, say, ah, uh, befriending. Yeah, meta. Yeah, kindness, compassion. Yeah, these are mental attitudes. By mental, I'm including the heart. Yeah, so we cultivate a particular attitude. Um, and we're inclining the mind to that wholesome attitude, which again shapes experience. Yeah. What happens to our experience when, you know, heart and mind are really imbued with metta and then something happens. Yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> I mean, I never know what's going to come in the questions, but hopefully this also kind of starts to show us a little bit that the, the more detail of how our experience is shaped, yeah? It's made up of these components. What's going on in the body? Yeah. What's going on in our verbal world, which is our thinking to a great degree? Yeah. What's going on in our, our mental aspect of our fabrication? Yeah. Our moods, our mind states, our attitudes, our views. Yeah. And hopefully we're also getting a sense that these are all things that we can shape to some degree in the moment and over time. Yeah, so we can incline the mind. This is the heart of the Buddha's teachings. We can incline the mind to wholesome states. Yeah, that's why we practice. And wholesome states <laughs> fabricate less. <laughs> 
but they also fabricate, you know, wholesome experiences. So, um, yeah, these are, these are, you know, this is a lot of stuff. It's the deep end of the teachings that we're touching on today. Yeah. And, you know, the insights, let them continue to percolate. Yeah. Let them continue to resonate. Um, let them continue to, um, you know, bring forth questions and patience. Yeah. Together we ask questions. Yeah. And keep refining the view. I think I said it last time, you know, this um, quote from the Tibetan Dzogchen um, tradition, you know, trust your experience, look at your experience and keep refining your view, keep asking the questions, keep exploring, uh, but with patience and with confidence in your ability. So to kind of just do a, a recap and then we'll practice a recap of the most important thing, yeah. Craving and clinging, yeah. We know them as this push pull on experience, yeah. This sensor that is looking for something yeah, to build experience around in the sense of self around. I want this, I don't want that. Yeah. And one interesting thing that we can reflect on is when we get something that we want or we get rid of something that we don't want, how long <laughs> do we stay satisfied, yeah? Is very quickly that sense is activated again, looking for something else. Mm-hmm. Very human uh, experience. And so we work with this yeah, through the sense of contraction, through sensitivity to contraction in the body. Yeah? Body and in the space of awareness in the body. Yeah? And we see what happens. Yeah? We're open to any relief, release, um, well-being that arises. We're also open to the insights that come up as we as we explore this this way of practice. So finally, we get to meditate. Um, yeah, if you need. a drink or if you need to stretch any part of the body before we settle into our practice together, have about 25 minutes or so, then please do that. Then when you're ready, settling into your posture. Making any adjustments that are needed so that the posture is supportive. And the body feels as balanced and steady and stable as possible.
Inviting the awareness deep into the body. In particular, you might wish to use the sensations of contact between the body and the seat and the body and the ground. It's a way of gathering and rooting, collecting the awareness into the body. Just feeling the stability and the support that's coming through that contact, maybe opening to feel the whole base of the body. Everything that's kind of supporting the body as we sit here or stand here or walk. Or lie down if that's the best posture for you right now. And then from that contact, the immediacy of the sensations of contact of the base of the body, inviting the awareness to spread and open up the body and through the body. And feel the balance, invite a balance between the uprightness and the lengthening of the body and a sense of openness and relaxation. And gently in your own time, inviting the awareness to open and expand through the whole body space, filling up the whole space of the body. Perhaps a little bigger than the body, even like a book balloon or a bubble of awareness surrounding and containing the whole body filling the whole body with a sensitive and alive awareness So through this practice period, we keep opening out the awareness, widening it to be just a little bit larger than the body.
and keep tuning in to that field of awareness in the body, that sensitivity. If it's helpful, you can include the breath in the practice, feeling the breathing fill up the body space. Breath comes into the body, fills up the whole space. Or if sound is a more helpful object, you can just notice, tune in to the vibration of sound, the experience of hearing felt within the space of awareness in the body. So let's take a few minutes to just settle and find our way with this. Keep softening, keep opening that space of awareness. Whole body.
noticing and particularly if there's distraction in the mind taking a moment to feel there's any presence of this push-pull movement momentum and we can particularly notice it through the presence of contraction in the body or in the space of awareness. And so interestingly enough, moments of distraction can become really exciting. The mind is following something that's not the body experience right now. Where's the contraction? And we feel any degree of contraction in the experience. And then we're going to explore, is it possible to release that contraction? to relax that push-pull, easing the relationship to the phenomena, which might be a sound, might be a body sensation, might be a you know, tiredness, agitation of thinking, anything that's pulling on the attention right now. And so some ways of doing this, just feeling that pull, towards the phenomena, the thoughts, the sensation, the sound, either the pull towards or the pushing away. Just gently noting dukkha, this is dukkha because of the contraction. Maybe asking the question, is this peaceful? Is this contractedness? Is this magnetic pull or push? Is this peaceful? Just dropping those in, the question or the way of looking. Noticing what, what arises in relationship to that. Noticing any impact. And we just keep doing it. There might be a sensation or a sound or thinking pattern that's ongoing. And we ground in the body. We want to be tuned into the field of awareness in the body and then where feeling into the contraction, seeing what happens when we bring in these ways of looking, bring in these verbal fabrications. Is this peaceful? Can I see this as dukkha because of the contraction? Our mental fabrication of the image and the felt sense of it, letting go of that hot coal, letting go of that contraction. It's a hot coal. Stuka.
Let's see what happens when we practice in this way.
Gently shifting as we practice, shifting the weight of attention from the object to the relationship, from the distraction in whatever form it arises, to the contraction, to the push and pull. Again and again we're doing this. Awareness keeps opening to the whole body. We keep opening it to the whole body. Keep noticing contract, contraction in that space. Recognizing when there's push-pull, there's contraction. When there's contraction, there is push-pull. So if one of the ways I've already suggested is really working for you, please keep going with that. Otherwise, here's a couple more possibilities. You can relax the contraction in the body through relaxing the body. Relaxing the body as much as possible, inviting the body to relax. Or you can relax the relationship through welcoming or opening to the phenomena. Changing the relationship to the phenomena. So welcoming or opening sound or a body sensation. Particular energy of thought. Two different ways, both relax contraction, open up the space. We keep repeating this moment by moment. We keep relaxing and easing the relationship. Keep inviting the contraction to relax. Keep inclining the heart and mind to welcoming open attitude. Noticing moments of dukkha, noticing moments when dukkha is released. Yeah, even if it's just to some degree. Feel the lightness, feel the spaciousness. Feel any well-being and release. And allow that insight to go deep into your being. What happens when we relax the body is a way of inviting contraction to relax. What happens if we relax contraction through a welcoming and open attitude? That's our exploration for the next few minutes.
Awareness wide and open, grounding and opening, softening, expanding. Noticing moments when contraction builds and moments when it eases. Inviting softening and relaxation to any contraction that arises through relaxing the body and through bringing an attitude of welcoming and opening to the mind. Taking your time, as always, with the transition, no rush. So hopefully that was interesting and useful. I was kind of thinking as as I was guiding that, I thought, did I am I giving them too many options? So I'm gonna remind you again. Really good to work with one, maximum two. Yeah. And um I've just kind of for those of you who know this framework of bodily, verbal, mental fabrication, just to see that we have those different ones in in these different ways of practicing. Yeah, relaxing the body, bodily fabrication, welcoming, opening, mental fabrication, um, as well as the image also, mental fabrication, and then the uh, using the the phrases, the noting, the verbal. So as we move into the week, um, again, if it feels more useful to continue with any of the previous practices, please do listen to yourself. <laughs> as uh, someone said earlier, I think it was, it was Adrienne, you know, it's, it's a lot to do in, in four sessions. Yeah? It's a lot to do. So, uh, you know, you can also look at this and say, ah, you know, I don't, 
you know, here's, here's a fabrication. We got only this much. We have this time to do this in. No, we have the recordings. We have the material. We have the practices. We have the rest of our lives. Yeah. So we can continue to work with them. So take your time. Um, listen to, to what pace is right for you. Um, continue, uh, with, with as regular a practice as you can. As I've been saying, 20 minutes, maybe it's time now to, to extend that if that's possible. Um, and using any posture. Yeah. But it was really clear. We meditate standing, sitting, lying down, walking, and in the transitions between those. Yeah. So always opportunities to practice. So, so, so use that and find what's useful and possible. Um, and if, if you'd like to, to, you know, move forward into this area of working with a push pull, then explore ways of looking that relax contraction. Yeah. That's what we've been doing today. Um, relax contraction and therefore support the release of the push pull of the craving and the clinging. I'm going to say them again, even though, as I said, I'm going to send this to Mel tonight. It'll be on the notice board tomorrow. Um, so you can also refer to it there. Um, but the ways that we talked about, you know, just that mental noting, dukkha because of the contraction, um, the noting of this is not peaceful. Yeah. Or is this peaceful as a question? I like questions. <laughs> so, you know, is this peaceful? Um, that image of dropping the hot coal. Yeah. Contraction. Ah, oh, contraction. We drop. Yeah, as we drop, we let go. Uh, inviting the body to relax. Yeah. The whole body or the contraction itself or the area around the contraction. And then an attitude of welcoming, opening, allowing, yeah, towards the phenomena. Yeah. All of that eases contraction in different ways. Most help, maybe most helpful, as I've said, to just work with one, maximum two. Beyond formal practice. Okay. This is, this whole area of relaxing the contraction is probably, if I had to choose one practice, um, for the rest of my life, this would be it. I include meta, so it makes it easier for me. Meta is a way of relaxing contraction. Um, and we can do this in formal practice and beyond formal practice. Okay. It's actually can be for some of us really accessible. Yeah. Uh, I feel myself getting into some dukkha. Yeah. I feel myself getting, um, triggered by something. Yeah. I feel myself getting, uh, reactive. Notice that moment, that magnetism of the push pull. Notice that movement of it. Notice the contraction. Just ask, is the contraction? Yeah. Is a contraction that's arising in relationship to this, this thought, this body experience, this sound, this person? Yeah. This event. Yeah, this situation, is there a contraction that arises? Yeah. And it might be most obvious when there's dukkha, but, you know, it's not just when there's dukkha that there's contraction, <laughs> or at least not very obvious dukkha. Yeah. It's not just when there's obvious dukkha. Yeah. So we may be having some great chocolate ice cream, and we might think that is not dukkha at all. <laughs> and we can just start noticing, is there some degree of contraction? Is there a worry that I've bought too much? <laughs> chocolate ice cream or too little so anyway we can bring in these practices yeah whatever usually what's been useful in the formal practice will be useful outside of it sometimes it might be different so let yourself explore yeah check what works in formal practice 
what 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 works in uh, in what's beyond the formal, uh, and really explore what happens when I relax that contraction, when I open the space, when I lighten it, um, when I expand it. You know what supports relaxing the contraction and that letting go of the push pull. And so just to recap, and this is true both for formal practice and outside of it, when you get hooked into something, yeah, particular story, particular escalation, something that you're getting caught up, it might just be a sound that's annoying you in meditation practice. It might be, you know, the meeting that you have tomorrow at work. You notice that you're getting hooked into something, check in with the body. Yeah, bring the awareness to the body, invite the body to relax, to soften, to open and feel the awareness in the body. Um, yeah, check in with the awareness, invite that to soften and to open. Uh, and then uh, ask yourself, is this peaceful? Yeah. Yeah, is this peaceful? Yeah. Yeah, is this peaceful? Just a question that we're checking. Yeah. Notice what arises. Yeah. Tune into any well-being that unfolds from the practice always. Yeah. <laughs> Any well-being, tune into that um, and open to it and absorb in it, absorb in it and stay with it. Ah, made it. We've made it to the end of the session. I didn't talk too fast, I think. Uh, I probably have given you a lot to practice with and think about. So hopefully, you know, we've got some kind of interest and enthusiasm with this. As I said, if it feels like it's still more uh, useful to consolidate the practices from previous weeks, please do that. Um, feel free to, you know, listen to the recordings again, mull on it uh, in your own time. And there'll also be another uh, kind of article um, for further reference on the, on the notice board, a short one for those who wish. So... All that remains to be said is thank you. Thank you for your presence, your enthusiasm, uh, all the questions, the listening, yeah, uh, and the willingness to show up. So, um, yeah, wonderful to be here with you, and I'll see you next week for our final session together. Go well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.